Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Huddle Up with Howard with Howard Richards. I'm Mike Claiborne. And Howard, uh, we're getting off on the right foot, man, as we go into one of the biggest weekends for Missouri football in a long, long time. We have a special guest. You take it away. So our guest today is a host, anchor, and reporter for the SEC Network, joining the team in the summer of 2018. She's the co-host of Out of Pocket, along with former NFL linebacker Tequil Spikes, and serves as a sideline reporter for the SEC Network's coverage on college football and basketball. She's also one of the hosts of SEC Now, rotating anchor desk duties with network mainstays Peter Burns and Dari Noper. She's also a regular co-host on SiriusXM with SEC Network commentators Peter Burns and Chris Dory. Let's hear it for the great Alyssa Lang. Alyssa, welcome to Huddle Up with Howard. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, and I appreciate you sharing my resume there. It makes me sound a lot cooler than I actually am. <laughs> well, you are pretty cool. I have to say, you know, I, I've been really impressed um, having watched you from afar and then meeting you in person. Um, not just blowing smoke up your dress, but you're, you do a fantastic job. Well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. And it's always great to actually get out of the studio and come to places like Columbia, Missouri and meet folks like you, Howard, and really get to put a face with a name. I know we talk on the radio all the time. So being able to actually shake your hand and, and listen to you and see what you're doing on game day is just as cool. <laughs> Hey, Alyssa, uh, sideline reporting, and that, that's come a long way. I, I did it for a few years myself. Uh, there's a lot going on in trying to keep up with injuries and the stories you try and lead into when you get the opportunity. How much fun has that been for you? It's a ton of fun. Oh, my gosh. Like you said, I mean, it changes by the second. No game is the same. Obviously, no coach, no team is the same. No storylines are the same. So it's uh, it's a constant challenge, but it's something that I think makes you better every moment that you do the job. Uh, being able to sideline games in the SEC, I get a front row seat to the best football we see in the entire country. So uh, not only do I get to learn a lot from our players and coaches, whether it be pregame in our Friday meetings or actually physically standing there on the sidelines watching the way they go through a game and watching the way a team like Missouri gets this big win over K-State early in the season, which was one of the more fun ones that I got to do this year. Uh, you're constantly learning. You're constantly absorbing everything. And like you said, you know, some games you're dealing with more injuries and more last-minute reporting, things that are kind of more on the fly. Other games you're dealing with blowouts and maybe you're doing a little bit more storytelling. So um, you really kind of get to run the gamut as far as what – uh, is is going to be the challenge each week. Can you take us through your typical week um, when you've got a game this week? I'm not sure where you will be this coming weekend, uh, but what's it like as you prepare throughout the week? Yeah, so with all of our studio shows and radio shows and things like that, it definitely makes scheduling very interesting. But I am heading to Starkville this weekend for Kentucky at Mississippi State. So um, I got off the radio a couple hours ago and jumped right into a meeting with our production crew to start getting some early storylines going. Usually I spend all day Monday kind of catching up on the rest of the league you're at a game on Saturday. You can't really see what the other 12 or 13 teams are doing in the conference. So um, I spend the early part of the week really trying to catch up on that for our radio and for our studio shows throughout the week and coming up with segment ideas and things that we can talk about in those shows 
around that is when I'm prepping for my game, putting together my board, making sure I'm up on injuries, storylines, what are the fan bases talking about? I try to watch as much as I can, whether it's press conferences, uh, highlight videos I find on YouTube, watching the games and the film over again, just to make sure I'm very familiar with what the team is going to look like on Saturday. Um, and I'll do that, like I said, kind of around all of my other show obligations throughout the week. Then on Thursday night, typically I'll fly to where we're going that weekend. We'll have meetings all day Friday with both the home and the away coaching staff and players. So typically we're done with the home team. We'll drive across town or wherever the visiting team is staying at their hotel. We'll meet with them. Um, and then we'll have a big production meeting at the end of the night on Friday where we talk about the storylines, the open of the broadcast, what the few things that we need to make sure we hit really and often are expectations for the broadcast, who I'm going to be interviewing at the end of the first quarter, at the end of the third quarter, kind of hash all that stuff out. And really the actual game preparation, the X's and O's continue into right up to kickoff. I mean, there are plenty of times where I'm sitting there under our audio tent on the side of the field, making sure I've got those last minute notes in. I've watched warmups for that one player who might've been questionable and might be a game time decision. So the preparation never stops because then the game kicks off. You're constantly head on a swivel, making sure that you have a good understanding of what's going on. Game ends, you drive to the airport and do it all over again. So uh, for however many weeks straight it is uh, without the bye weeks. <laughs> you know, one of the fun things about this time of the year, and you mentioned the best conference in football, there's no bad weekend of football in the SEC, no matter who you're covering. Um, we're talking about Missouri and Georgia, Alabama, LSU, your game. I mean, it's a very competitive uh, reason to be playing, and there's no bad games on, the, on an SEC weekend. Yeah, especially now when you look at the rest of the month of November. I mean, every game matters in this league, and coaches will say that till they're blue in the face, right? But it feels a little bit different this year, especially mm -hmm. like you mentioned with the slate coming up this weekend, Georgia-Missouri, Alabama-LSU. If Missouri can beat the dogs, all of a sudden we're having a very different conversation about what's happening in Atlanta in the SEC championship game. And obviously then the college football playoff, because we know that what happens in Atlanta has a heavy hand in what happens in the playoff as well. So this year is just making me more excited for the expanded playoff, honestly. And I will say I was one of those people who early on was like, well, the 14 playoff, you know, it's doing what it's supposed to do. It's finding the best team. But I feel like November in the SEC in 2023 has proven that a 12-team playoff is going to be that much more exciting because even if Missouri goes to Athens and loses to the Dogs by a touchdown, you're sitting there with a very talented two-loss Missouri team that maybe is in a playoff conversation a year from now. Really still very talented team that just happened to, to have to play Georgia this weekend. So uh, it's always a great game, as you said. Obviously, you know, you deal with some blowouts here and there, but the level of competition in the SEC week in and week out, there is nothing like it anywhere else in the country. Yeah, much like uh, LSU, which has two losses, um, you know, depending on how they finish, they could end up being a two-loss team that wins the SEC West. Um, you clearly know football. How did you learn about it? And um, I mean, is this your favorite sport? Did you have any other uh, interest? Are you, are you a hooper? You play basketball too? I wish I could have played basketball. I was very small and uh, did not have great hand-eye coordination. So I was not a basketball player, but I played soccer and I ran track. Um, really, really enjoyed those. I got to play soccer at a pretty high level, but 
um, football and college football were what made me fall in love with sports. Both of my parents went to Virginia Tech. So growing up in Charlotte, we were about two and a half hours away from Blacksburg. We were up there, it felt like every single weekend. And I grew up the peak of my childhood college football fandom was in the late 90s with Michael Vick leading that Virginia Tech team to what we know it to be, you know, under Frank Beamer and everything that they achieved. So I was very blessed to have a college football team that I was sort of born into that happened to be really good when I was a kid. So it, uh, it kind of just came naturally that I became a huge college football fan. Um, I was that kid who would come home from school and I would tell my dad about the argument that I got into at the lunch table with so-and-so about what team was better and who was going to win this weekend. And then when I got to high school and I was trying to decide, you know, what my life wanted, what I wanted my life to look like and what I was going to do, whether sports was something I could continue with, um, it kind of just dawned on me that I could continue to be a fan and hopefully maybe get paid for it one day and, and work in this industry, which I've now been very blessed to do. So that's that's really where it came from for me, watching games with my dad and my grandpa I come from a huge sports family, big New York sports family. So Jets fans who have screamed at the TV for longer than I've been alive. Oh, I feel sorry about that. Yeah, so I kind of had some <laughs> football fan trial by fire that sort of led me to where I am today. And, and that's something I really still try to embrace. You know, there's still so much that I have to learn about the game. Um, so many of us, but I approach it as a fan first. That's how I started. And, and that's really what made me fall in love with it. Let's take our first break. We have Huddle Up with Howard. It's on clavesonline.com. Alyssa Lang of the SEC Network is our guest. We'll take a quick break and come back after this. Munganass St. Louis Acura has a great selection of new and certified pre-owned Acuras. Get 3.9% financing for up to 36 months on all new Acura models. Or get $1,000 in loyalty incentives on the 2023 TLX and RDX. And $750 in loyalty incentives on the 2024 Integra. Get financing as low as 1.99% for up to 36 months on certified pre-owned TLX and MDX models. Munganass St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you. Are you ready for a challenging and rewarding career? There are quality jobs in the construction industry. I got out of college and my career choices were very limited and this provided me with a plan for the present and the future at the same time. I actually have a bachelor's degree in psychology and I was making less than I make as a first year apprentice painter. I didn't go to college. I have no college debt. I make more money than the majority of people I know that went to college. Take your first step towards a rewarding career. Visit stlouispdf.org. Everybody, we have Huddle Up with Howard. I'm Mike Claiborne, along with Howard Richards. Our special guest is Alyssa Lang of the SEC Network. So, Alyssa, as we look into this weekend, we talked about a little bit about Missouri. Let's talk a little bit more about Missouri and Georgia. Give me your slant. You've seen both those teams. Yeah, and both of them are really good. You know, I am I'm feel like I'm too early in the week yet to have to make a pick, but if you guys are going to bully me into it, I will make one at, at some point here with you guys. But you know, Missouri is such a talented team. I, I don't know that many outside of Columbia, Missouri, or folks who cover that team would have predicted that we're standing where we are right now, you know, two, three months ago with as many new faces, especially on that offense. Uh, I was thinking about it the other day, watching Georgia beat Florida down there in Jacksonville, and it's like, you know, 
Dominic Dominic Lovett was one of those players in the transfer portal who some people were going, wow, okay, he was wide receiver one on this Missouri team and now is going to a loaded Georgia offense. I wonder how this will work out. And Georgia fans are sitting there going, maybe he'll find some consistency with Brock Bowers coming out, looking for that new go-to target. And all I could think about was, man, even with losing Dominic Lovett, Eli Drinkwitz continued to reload this wide receiver room, building around Luther Burden with Theo Weiss and Mookie Cooper, and they are one of the most lethal rooms in the SEC right now. I would put those pass catchers up there with the likes of LSU and Georgia. I think Missouri is right there. It's going to be really interesting for me to see what the bye week does for Coach Drinkwitz, for Brady Moore, for uh, for Brady Moore and Kirby Moore, excuse me, and for uh, Blake Baker to game plan based off of what they saw from Florida and from that Florida game to see if there's creative ways that they can exploit Georgia. I always go back to 2022 and the team that gave Georgia their toughest time was the Missouri Tigers. Now they were on the road in Columbia, Missouri, which we all know means a lot for teams to have to go on the road and travel out there, especially when it starts to get cold and when it gets dark, it's, it's not an easy place to play. But this is not a Missouri team that I expect to get blown out of the building. I, I do like Georgia in this one. At the same time, I would not be surprised if we saw a Missouri team go out there and maybe even put up a better showing than we did last year. The offense just feels unstoppable at this point with the way they've been chugging along in the run game as well. The the options that Cody Schrader gives Brady Cook to be able to take some of that pressure off of the pass game is just become so consistent for me. This Georgia defense is going to have its hands full, and and I think it's safe to say that this offense is going to be the highest-powered offense that this Georgia defense will have faced so far. Yeah, I think that what Missouri gained last year with, to me, uh, sort of an offense that limped through the season, uh, but they were able to hang with the dogs and took a lead into the fourth quarter before uh, the defense just ran out of gas and, you know, offensively just, just couldn't get anything going. Uh, this year, I, I mean, I think what my hope would be if I'm just watching it from from a pure fan perspective, uh, I hope that Missouri just goes out and plays very loosely, um, at least try to get points on the board first uh, in, in that tough environment down there. Um, and then, you know, you just go toe to toe with these guys. You know, they put on their pants, pads and helmets just like uh, the Tigers do. Uh, you can't be fearful of your opponent. You know, once you start playing with fear, then you've already lost your edge. Um, so I'm hoping that, uh, A, regardless of who wins, I'm, I'm looking for uh, a good outcome. Yeah, and, and I, like I said, knowing that this team is coming off of a week of rest, everyone's a bit beat up at this time of year. You know, Brady Cook's been dealing with that knee injury from what feels like the very beginning of the season, that beat up knee, but he's still been fighting. He's still been battling through it. And that's something that I think I'm going to have my eyes on early and often is knowing that everything that Brady Cook has done this year to prove the doubters wrong and setting the SEC records and doing what he's been able to do for this offense. How does he handle the early pressure of being on the road with what this game means to Missouri and to their future this season in the SEC and potentially with a trip to Atlanta on the line? How does he handle that type of pressure knowing that 
you would expect this Georgia defense to kind of rattle him early and often the way they've been able to do other quarterbacks across the SEC so far on their schedule. So if Brady Cook can stay that cool, calm, and collected, not push too hard, not press too much, that was something that impressed me the most when we had the K-State game was – you know, it was so back and forth. It was so emotional. Two fan bases who really hate each other, whatever boos that were coming from the stadium and, and whoever they were directed towards. I'm standing down there watching Brady Cook on the sidelines and he's just so fired up. He's pacing back and forth. I hardly saw him sat down, whether he's on the phone with Coach Moore, whether he's talking to the receivers, talking to the running backs, talking to the young guys. Can he continue to be that leader, that calm, that presence that he has had in these big moments for Missouri. And I'm sure there are moments against LSU that he'd like back in, in, in that game. And obviously that pick six to end the year. But I think a lot of it hinges on, on if Brady Cook allows himself to get rattled at all by this Georgia defense, because they do a pretty good job of that, especially to, uh, to, to quarterbacks across the SEC. Let's take a final break. Alyssa Lang is our guest and Huddle Up with Howard on ClavesOnline.com. Back after we take this time out. There's always been a bright side to living in downstate Illinois. Ameren, Illinois is making it even brighter with a little help from the sun. Right now, we're building a next-generation solar facility to bring you cleaner energy for generations to come. It's good for the environment, your neighborhood, and everyone. Can Graybar help my electrical and datacom jobs be more productive? Yep. Our supply chain services are designed to do just that. Like job site services? Yep. We deliver the products you need where and when you need them, no matter your industry. What if I have technical questions? Yep. Our specialists are top notch. Emergency support? Yep. Even after hours. They're a unicorn. When you need to keep your projects productive and profitable, rely on Graybar to help you get the job done right. No unicorns required. Yep. Gray Bar does that. Final segment of Huddle Up with Howard with our special guest, Alyssa Lang. Alyssa, um, you're on the field, and it's you've been in a lot of hostile environments. In, in your opinion, what's the toughest place for a visiting team to play in Ooh. the SEC? Gosh, that's a really good question. So I will say this without having been to every stadium in the SEC, believe it or not. I've been with the network since 2018, and there's one place that I have yet to do a game at, and that's in LSU at Death Valley. So I know that's typically high on the list, um, and I know that's got to be high on the list, but I haven't experienced it personally. So that's kind of like a, an asterisk there when I would say that one. It's a political answer, but really every place has its own challenges. Every place has their thing that opposing fans know that they're going to expect when they come there, right? You know, I was doing Florida, South Carolina a couple of weeks ago, and I'm talking to Graham Mertz on the phone on Tuesday, and he's like, yeah, they told me they've got this chicken noise that they play over <laughs> and over. So we've been playing the chicken noise and sandstorm at practice, right? Go to Tennessee, you know, you're going to hear Rocky Top over and over and over and over again. And the fans are going to be so loud. The swamp is historically very loud. You go out to Como and that student section being right there behind the visiting team, I have witnessed it get very loud behind the visitors. So uh, it, it's hard to truly pick one. Um, players all have different answers too, which is really interesting. I think rivalries absolutely play a role in that as well. Jordan Hare, I'd be 
remiss to not mention what that place is like when it's rocking. Obviously, Bryant Denny and, and Sanford Stadium speak for itself. And here I am listing off every single stadium in the SEC. But they truly are. When, when the teams are rolling, especially when the sun goes down, you find 14 deafening stadiums in the SEC, that's for sure. Yeah, indeed. Um, I, I just want to shift gears a little bit. So you, you're a co-host with uh, Out of Pocket, on Out of Pocket with Tequila Spikes. How did that show evolve? And what is it like working with Spikes? I mean, you, you two have really good chemistry together. And uh, I, you know, I personally, I record it every week when I can't watch it live. Um, but it is very entertaining. Well, first of all, thank you for recording it. We really appreciate that. Uh, Spikes is awesome. Honestly, when he first came in and started working with us, I, I felt like a fan. I'm like, that's Takeo Spikes. <laughs> like, oh, does anyone know Takeo Spikes is in here walking around? So um, it was really cool to not only get to meet him and get to know him in person, I'll never forget our first SEC media days together. We're getting ready to do a long, you know, four hour stretch, whatever it is on the desk together two years ago. And he's buried in the notes. He's always got his notes. He's always prepared for every inch of the conversation that we could possibly cover. So that was really awesome. Out of pocket started actually back in 2020 when we were dealing with COVID and my role at the network is kind of like a hybrid role. Like you guys said, I'm in studio, but I also get to go out and about and do games. So the way it all worked, I wasn't technically allowed to travel and be in the building. And they decided that my studio shows were uh, the more important role for me that year. So I stayed at home and I didn't travel for the first time. Um, and so we were kind of looking for maybe extra things I could do or, or extra little ways that I could contribute during football season. And I was doing a lot of ESPN radio at the time during the summer of 2020. And I would do various shows like the Dan Lebetard show when it was on ESPN. And I kind of I, I'm bad about getting off the rails when it comes to sports talk radio. Sometimes I'll get distracted and we'll go in a different direction that has nothing to do with sports, which made for some good content at times. So one of our producers, uh, George Richards, was listening to a show one day, and I think I launched this discussion that went on for hours about what was better to dip your wings in, ranch or blue cheese. And this became <laughs> like a knockdown, drag out argument with people that, like I said, went on for hours and then days after that. So he went to the bosses and he said, what if we did a 30 minute TV show, but almost make it like a radio show. You know, we can go all over the place. It can be a little bit more laid back, a little bit more casual, but still SEC centric. And uh, they liked the idea. So I did the show solo first in 2020. We did it on Saturday mornings. A lot of interviews, very interview heavy with our players and coaches. I tried to get outside the box and ask silly things that, you know, fans might not know, but might maybe connect them a little bit more personally to the guys that they're cheering for on Saturday. So then that evolved into a Wednesday night show. We added Andrea Carter because she became a very good friend. And I think we had great chemistry on TV as well. Uh, we did that together for two years. Now Drea has kind of shifted her attention towards basketball, which is her dream and that's her baby. And uh, Takeo Spikes being uh, still pretty new at the network. We felt like he'd be a perfect fit to slide right in and continue to build on the show. It's a little different, but a lot of it is still the same, which I think is really cool and hopefully speaks to what we've sort of created as far as the show being about the student athlete and about the coaches. And we just sort of fill in the conversation and try to have fun in between and around it. So Takeo has been great and, and he's definitely made the show better. I think Clay, you're still on mute, buddy. 
I, I was going to say, Howard, you have the last word. What'd you say? I, I have just the last word. Howard, he has the last oh. word. Uh, okay, so I was watching a couple years ago uh, at the end of the game with Mississippi State. You're interviewing. <laughs> you know, I'm going to let you set it up. Uh, <laughs> but it was, I thought it was very interesting. And then I want to know what was the, what's your final decision? What are you guys going to do? So go ahead, so take it. I was going to say, with it being Halloween, I didn't know if you were going to go in the direction of the candy <laughs> interview or the wedding interview. Wedding interview. Both, <laughs> those are both up there, which I, I have to say, I think the candy one out of both is my favorite. Just like listening to Coach Leach talk about how much he hates candy corn and listing all the other candies that are better. Uh, the one that we did last year about the weddings, he was right. I will say that um, my fiance and I both work in sports. So as you guys know, there's not a lot of free time, even after football and basketball season are over for me, I transition into baseball and softball, which when you're in the sec goes through June and yeah. then July is media day. So you have about three weeks off uh, in between the sports calendar starting and ending. So he was right in the fact that everyone will have an opinion and everyone will have a say and want to give you their advice on how to plan a wedding. So we <laughs> have not made very much progress, if we're being honest. I actually always said, let's just elope. I was the one who was who was fine with the eloping. I think my fiance is too, but it's the parents. It's the parents yeah. who are not really fine with the eloping. That's so that's right. that's the problem. We needed Mike Leach to talk to my dad, which really, really was <laughs> what we were missing there. <laughs> well, so what you have to do is elope and then come back and have a party. That's, like, right. that's what people say. And go. that sounds like a good way to do it. I honestly, for me, eloping is avoiding the party planning. Like that's the benefit of eloping. So <laughs> I don't want to do both. <laughs> It sounds like you, you you'll figure it out. We'll we'll hear about it on you know how we'll hear about it on social media at some exactly. point. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get, maybe we'll get an invitation. Hey, <laughs> to the party. I said I said maybe at uh, one of these big events, maybe at an SEC tournament or at spring meetings in Destin. Like I can just grab an extra room and someone can officiate. <laughs> someone from the SEC can help us figure this out. Surely. <laughs> well, as long as you get it done. And have fun with it. That's all that counts. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Alyssa, uh, we want to thank you so much for being part of Huddle Up with Howard. Uh, we enjoy your work, and now having a chance to have you on the show uh, means even more to us. Well, thank you guys so much for having me, and hopefully I can uh, come on again soon. All right. Absolutely. For we'll see you later this season. He's Howard Richards. I'm Mike Claiborne. This has been another edition of Huddle Up with Howard on ClavesOnline.com. Don't forget Mizzou, Georgia, Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll talk to you soon.